Meet Bufo, a toad with a past. This week on the podcast, Bruce Covell's Jennifer Murdley's Toad. Hi, and welcome to Growing Up Bookish. It's a nostalgic podcast where we read books from our youth again to see if they're good. I'm one of your hosts, Emma. I'm your other host, Allison. This week, we're reading one of Emma's picks. It's called... Jennifer Murdley's Toad. By Bruce Coville. Coville, Coville. Co- 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 I really, Coville. I should have looked that up. I'm sorry. My bad. My bad. Sorry, Bruce. For butchering we're your just, name. We're just going to call him Brucey. Bruce, Brucey. 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 <laughs> so tell us about this book, Emma. Why'd you pick it? This is a book that I held on to. Now, this isn't my original copy, but I did hold on to this book for a very long time. I know I've read Jeremy Thatcher, Dragon Hatcher, which is part of this Magic Shop series, but Jennifer Murdley, I actually held on to the book for a long time. So I felt like, oh, yeah, I, I actually don't remember much that happens in the book, but I do remember that I held on to the book for a long time. So that means I must have really liked it. And since Emma has made it clear in previous podcasts that she does not reread books. I do not reread them. I don't I, know why. Man. I don't know why either. She I held can't. on to it for nothing. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I did like the cover that I had. It's different from this one. Um, I actually couldn't find the cover. What did the... It was purple. Purple? You couldn't find a picture of it? Maybe, but... Well, the I cover could, we have now just has a nice picture of a toad on it's it. It's beautiful. It is a nice picture. It's a, he's a big, golden, beautiful toad. And he looks got, magical. Yeah, and he's got... Oh, he's got pillars next to him of like a cat and a dog. Not sure why. Just, just <laughs> he's magical, magic mystical. Shop, right? Yeah. Dragon. There's a fly up there. Yeah. I liked the cover of that one when I saw it because it makes it... The, the design of the cover just looks very magical and fantasy-like. And, mm-hmm. you know, that that kind of thing draws me in, despite the fact that I don't like Talking animals. animals. <laughs> um, although don't I do like have to say you. that this one didn't bother me as much. And I think it's because... Yay. I think it's because he's not the main character. Yeah. Like, the toad is not... It's not through the toad's perspective. Right. It's And I think Talking Animals are okay if they're not the main they're character. They're kind of like side characters. Yeah. Yeah. Because Jennifer is our main character. Right. So you've got yours on Kindle, right? Yes. Did it have illustrations in it? Yes. What do you think of the illustrations? I love them. They're kind of like a little creepy. They can be. That's for sure. It's like not a cartoony style. No, it's very realistic looking. Super realistic. But I really loved the pictures. I did too. The one I love the most is the one with the witch and the crystal ball, like with the toad in it. Oh, yeah. Towards the end. That was a really cool drawing. It was. I was like, oh, I love this drawing. (laughs) Maybe yeah. that's one of the reasons why I really loved this book. Yeah. It had um, some really good art in it. So just looking up some trivia about Brucey. Good old Brucey. Good old Brucey. Very interesting guy, actually. He's had numerous jobs. One of them was a grave digger mm. when he was younger, around 15 or 17 years old. And at 19, it was like he never looked back. He went straight to college, um, went to Duke. Did you read the author's note at the end of the book? I did, but now I can't remember. Well, they they talk about kind of like the pr- writing process of this book and how he originally had like this really complex story with like yes. a, like a planet of toads yes. or something. Yeah. And how like the and like, publishers no. kept 
saying no, no, no. no. And so eventually he had to make it like a a more simple story. Yes. And that's how it became what it is now. Right. And this kind of idea came from another short story that he wrote. And he he does mention that he has a hard time writing short stories because they just tend to get longer and longer. But one of the the things that was interesting, well, he married a high school sweetheart. There was a girl that he knew that was very artistic. And he just thought the books that they could make together would just be amazing. Did she draw the books? pictures i think she did in some of these but i don't i don't know if she did the inside pictures but he you know he published a few books and wasn't able to really support his family off of it so he decided to do paperbacks which aren't as prestigious the more well known that he's done is my teacher is an alien and that was heard of but never read and that was actually a packaged series which sweet valley is considered a packaged series yeah so that, My Teacher is an Alien, sold, made him so much money. Not too much because it was part of a package series. But he was able to kind of renegotiate when they asked him to make others. And that kind of like really propelled his career. That's nice. Yeah. I always like to hear the stories about how people made it. Oh, yeah. But I mean, it's, <laughs> it's I you know, it's without, it's not without struggle. No. But he was very, yeah. I read a lengthy interview with him and he was very, very determined to make this like this is his profession he knew it and he was i love people that work hard and achieve <laughs> he their didn't dreams stop. he didn't stop i'm glad he didn't because this was a good book oh, yeah hey, i'm so glad you like it <laughs> i liked it yes i did okay good i like your style brucey <laughs> so let's see chapter one chapter one the kid in the plain brown wrapper yeah so we start out with a most embarrassing mistake yes. jennifer murdley's dad has put all of her dirty laundry that means all all of her dirty underwear yep. in the washing in the wash. machine before she has to go to school. So she's got nothing to wear, so she has to wear her brother Skippy's Skippy underwear. <laughs> I don't know what kind of name Skippy. I I'm sure either. it's short for something, but I just don't know. I don't know. It, it could be Skip. A, it's obviously a nickname. It could be Skip. Some people name their kids Skip. I knew a Skip in high school. Are you sure it wasn't like a... No, it was Skip. It was Skip. I'm just wondering if it's one of those like old school things. Like I knew a kid growing up whose name was Trip. But really, his name was not Trip. That was some, like, fancy old, like, nickname for, like, the third. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I don't remember what his real name was. It was, like, I don't know, Bob the third. Bob Bobbington the third. But they just called him Trip. Huh. I've never heard of that. So I'm wondering if Skip is one of those. Maybe. I can't think of what it would be short for. I don't know either. I mean, Trip doesn't make any sense. No. Richard and Dick make no sense. Triple. He's the third. Triple. Yeah, but. Yeah whatever anyway so yeah so she's wearing her brother's underwear to school she only tells one person her best friend ellen who cannot keep a secret she cannot so so. she tells everyone well she tells a person that person tells a person that person tells a person which it gets to the school bully shara 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 i read it as shara moncrief shara moncrief who's a pretty blonde girl Mm mm-hmm and she finds out about it and teases Jennifer, who's an unattractive young lady. Yes, she they, is. She does obsess over it. She's I'm a, actually, a little too much. Well, I, I'm actually glad that he put a lot of that in here. Why? Because I think it's important. It, now, for me, I did not necessarily, and I still don't really, connect with my looks. Like, I don't wear makeup. I don't really fix my hair. But I've known a lot of people that that are very much attached to their looks and that's very i mean definitely during adolescence that was a huge part so i'm glad that he's referencing that that it's a big part of the story so she at some point during school she gets assigned a writing assignment about like her favorite pet 
to write about your favorite pet, but she doesn't have one. No, she doesn't. She doesn't have a pet, so she's unhappy about that. On her way home from school, she gets chased by bullies again. Mm-hmm. And when she's running away from the bullies, this is when she finds the magic shop. That's right. And just like this whole trope goes, yeah. you end up in a part of town that you don't recognize. Yeah. It reminds me of the NeverEnding Story, the beginning of the yes. NeverEnding Story, where he's running from the bullies, and that's exactly. when he ends up in the magic bookshop. Exactly. It's just like I that. I love it. They sell a lot of animals there. Mm-hmm. And they're all too expensive for Jennifer. Yes. <laughs> she does. Yeah, she asked about the owl, and he's like, that's not for sale. Right. And then she asked about the toads. The toads. And, and they're $100. They're like, yeah. But this is Mr. E-Lives. E-Lives. I was unsure how to pronounce that, too. I, I was like, I is actually, it Elivis? Well, I, I actually Elivis? did some research, and I don't even know if this is correct, but I just Googled something, found a YouTube clip of this woman saying it, and she pronounced it E-Lives. All right. We're, that woman's wrong. <laughs> Blame her, not us. If, if Either way, incorrect. it makes it a lot easier. E-Lives. E-Lives. Mr. E-Lives is the proprietor of the magic shop. He tells her, he's kind of like surly. He is. He, like, he doesn't want her to be there. But she asks about the toads, and he's like, there are a hundred. And she's like, oh. And then he's like, well, there is one toad I could <laughs> sell you, and it's 75 cents. And she's like, oh, okay, okay sure. But yeah. then she's also like, What's wrong with yeah, them? Yeah, what's wrong? She does say that. Cents. And uh, what was his answer? It was like a mysterious answer about how, like, you know, I have no use for him yeah. anymore, but you do. Yeah. You may you, you may, may find yeah. some use. But, I mean, which she does, because she needs to write an essay about a pet, and she doesn't yes, have one. Exactly. So, yeah, he's being real mysterious the whole time that he's in there. But as he gives her the box, he also says... That she needs to read the instructions carefully. And it reminds me of Gremlins. Gremlins, yep. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's one of those. And I'm like, at this point, I'm like, is this toad going to turn into a monster? <laughs> uh, is that where the story is going? I'm not sure. But, you know, she leaves the store. And as she does, the toad talks to her. That's right. And that's the end of chapter one. Uh, end of chapter one. Chapter two, the beast of Bufine Beauty. <laughs> Pretty good. Bufo. Yeah, be fine. Okay. Be fine. Yeah. Be fine. I don't know. I, I In my head, I said bufo, but it could be bufo. I don't give a crap. <laughs> it's a toad. It's a toad. She brings the toad home after she accepts he is a talking toad, which actually she accepts it pretty easily that he talks. Well, she runs away from him at first, and then she's like, wait a minute. What, am I, what are you afraid of, Jennifer? And she goes back to, to get the like, toad. Would you have been freaked out if a toad started talking to you? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> But then I'd maybe get excited about it. Yes. I I I think at that point in my life, I would have been totally okay with As it. As a child, because yeah. I was super excited about magic, and I totally believed that it was possible. And one of the things I referenced, one of my friends in the third grade had a New Kids on the Block poster above her bed. Yeah. And at sleepovers, we would stare at it, thinking that we could make it, like, talk magically. We could make them move. But, you know. <laughs> Which is ridiculous, but I mean, like, That's your, eyes, your eyes do play tricks on you. Oh, my God, I saw Joey's hand move. You know, it's just. That's a little obsessive and weird, but I'm, I'm on board. <laughs> yeah. It's was... also kind of a strange memory for you to hold on to. I don't, <laughs> I really don't know why. Other than maybe I did make the move. And oh. that's, no. Um, I didn't really like New Kids on the Block, so. I liked them I okay. I don't know why I remember I went, that It was one. the first concert I went to. Oh, nice. We were in, like, the very back row. Joey was one of the guys, right? 
Was yeah, it Joey? He was Joe. the young. Yeah, young he was one. the youngest. He one. started out as Joey, and then when he got older, he was Joe. Joe. Yeah, but he was the one that had the baby voice when they yeah, started. Yeah, Please yeah. Please don't go, girl. <laughs> and that's what he sounds like. Yeah. So yeah, I totally believe that magic was possible. Uh, I would have loved a talking toad. I think I would have to. I mean, shit, I'd love it if I went home right now and my cat started talking to me. <laughs> yeah, you would. I'd be like, wait, am I drunk? Then I'd be like, would you oh come- my God, I've always wanted to talk to you. You'd be like, let me ask Stuart, you all the questions. Stuart, am I hearing this correctly? <laughs> and then I'd be like, okay, I have a lot of things to say to you. <laughs> That's exactly what oh, I would do. Oh my gosh. Well, okay, so yeah, she brings Bufo. I'm going to keep saying Bufo. You I, can say Bufo. Whatever. We'll do it, whatever Bufo. it is. She brings Bufo back home. He's he's kind of like a sassy toad. He is. Yeah. I actually kind of liked it. I loved it. So at first I was like, oh, this is a sassy toad. And as it goes on, I'm like, uh, I think me and Bufo are besties <laughs> uh, because I really like relate to him. Do you want to read? Do you want to read his part? Jennifer takes him home and he's talking about his living conditions. And she's like, well, you were in a cage in the magic, in the magic shop. shop. And this is where we get to see his really picky personality. That was a temporary condition, he said fiercely. If we are to get along, you had better understand that I'm not a pet. I am, for the moment, a guest, possibly a friend, certainly a responsibility since you removed me from the shop. But I am most certainly not, never have been, and have no intention of ever becoming. At this point, he shivered as if the words left a bad taste in his mouth. A pet. But began Jennifer. Moreover, interrupted the toad. I did not think of my place in the shop as a cage. It was my apartment. Tiny, true, but my own. It's all a matter of how you look at things. We are not going to look at my home here as a cage, nor are we going to look at me as a pet. Is that clear? Perfectly. (laughs) I love it. You do a great Bufo. (laughs) A great Bufo voice. That's how his voice sounds in my head, (laughs) so... Yeah, I really like him. Yeah. So Jennifer get, like borrows a terrarium, an old terrarium from her parents and mm-hmm. uses her doll furniture to make him a nice little home. Yes. And then I wanted to mark, too, that we also learn a little bit about Jennifer's dad. And he's awesome. Yes, I love this. The TV tantrum. Yes. He sees that she's watching Some TV. pretty girl on TV. Yeah. A commercial, I think it was. Yeah, it was like a Barbie commercial or yeah. something. And, and he she's gets, like upset. Yeah, and he gets upset with her. Like, he doesn't want his daughter to feel like she's ugly. And so they have this whole ceremony where she takes her Barbies and they bury them And the, the, the tombstone says beauty victim. <laughs> victim. Yeah. But this is also when he brings her the geode. Yes. So he, he brings her a geode, which, you know, if... You don't know. It's like a rock, ugly rock on the outside, and on the inside, it's a beautiful gem. And so he's like, "This is what you're like. Yes, beautiful on the inside. It's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just a wonderful. I know it is it's wonderful. wonderful. He's a great guy. Yeah, like, yeah I, I wrote my note is literally Jennifer's dad is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I love that it was the father too that was being yeah. sensitive about it, not you know the mother like having a in this book. Mother was kind of not a good mom well she's she's not the typical sensitive mother figure definitely not dad's the sensitive dad is and we're also introduced to her younger brother brandon yes and then at this point i was like i can't tell how old skippy is so he's in the sixth Sixth grade grade. yeah yeah and so So jennifer's probably fourth grade ish and then uh brandon's four or almost four and skippy's absolutely terrible brandon's fine well he's a sixth grader 
He's a, terrible. <laughs> he's not a Jessica and Elizabeth sixth grader. He's no, a bratty sixth he's grader. He's not. Let's let's not imagine that no. sixth grade boys are like this. Ugh. But they are. So yeah, uh, Skippy comes in actually and tries to take Bufo away, saying that Jennifer owes him for the whole like underwear fiasco. Yes, because he found out. He was embarrassed that, you know, it was his underwear she was wearing, and so like, maybe he got teased, too. Would, would you be embarrassed about that? I don't know. But it's it's sixth grade. that Everyone's embarrassed about underwear. <laughs> yeah, th- that's true. So he's like, well, you owe me. Um, Bufo makes, like, a sound that forces Skippy to drop him, and, like, Jennifer's like, you can't have this toad, because he wants to just, like, take him away. Mm-hmm. And so Skippy's like, well, all right, I won't take your toad, but you have to promise that you owe oh, me. me. And that's a big deal in their family. Yeah, apparently it's a big deal. If you say you owe me, you have to do it. Although you have to. I, I would just be like... And Skippy has an uncanny ability to pick, like, the worst thing or has, like, the worst timing for the yeah. thing that you owe him. So it's a big deal. And then I've got... Brandon comes in a bit later yep. with a plastic pl- play phone. Yep. And it suddenly begins to ring. And that's the end of the chapter. And that is when I would jump out of my skin yeah. thinking this is some poltergeist yep. crap. Yep. <laughs> Jennifer's not that freaked out about it. Like, So at the beginning of chapter three, which is called vocal exercises, she is unsure whether she should answer the phone. And so she kind of like goes around about it in her head and it stops ringing before yeah. she picks it up. Because yep. she was like, should I answer it? Should I not answer it? And Brandon's like, I'll answer it. And she's like, don't answer it. And then it stops, <laughs> stops ringing. ringing. That's the end of it. Um, she's pretty smart, though. And she realizes that, you know, now that she has a talking toad, a plastic ring phone isn't really that big a deal. That's true. So she's kind of like, you know, adjusting pretty well to all this stuff. The world is strange. Jennifer convinces Brandon to leave the phone with her because she's like, well, if it, she assumes it's Mr. Eli. Lives, yeah. And if it rings again, yeah, she's going to answer. answer it. Yeah. So she le- he leaves the phone with her. Bufo gives her a hard time about not answering it, but whatever, Bufo. Then Bufo reminds Jennifer about the note. Yes. The instructions. Yes. Jennifer had forgotten. Hello. He that would have been important. That would have been the first thing. thing. Like set up the terrarium and read then that go, note. To the, go to the bathroom and then open that note and read it. Murdly. As I am sure you have learned by now, the toad with which you have been entrusted has the gift of speech. Whether or not he has the gift of silence is another question. I expect things will be considerably more peaceful around my shop now that he is gone. I am old, however, and prefer my solitude. Perhaps you enjoy his perpetual chatter. Be that as it may, you must not chatter about him, which is to say that I must forbid you to discuss him with others. At this point in the turning, the world is fairly hostile to magic. Indeed, you may well find that you are accused of truck with the devil should anyone learn that you have such a creature in your care. And make no mistake, he is in your care, since, for reasons that have not been made clear to me, I have been requested to pass him to you. Here are your instructions. First, do not tell the toad what is in this note. He is exceedingly nosy, and a bit of mystery will do him good. Tell him I have forbidden you to repeat what is said here. He will accept that. Not happily, but he will accept it. Second, do not speak of his existence to anyone without my permission. The toad himself may make his presence known. There is little we can do about that. You, however, would be well advised not to follow his example. Third, be wise, wary, and watchful. I do not know why Bufo has been sent to you, but you may be certain that there is a reason. There may be danger involved. Fourth, remember that not everything 
is as it seems. The inside is not the same as the outside. Endings often hold beginnings, and most mirrors are mere errors. Good luck, S.H.E. Lives. P.S. You should probably be aware of one more thing. When asked a direct question, the toad can only respond with the truth. It's a lot of information. It is. When I read that, I was like, oh my god, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> so, Mr. Elives knows that Jennifer's meant to have this toad, but doesn't know why. No. So. Vague. Vague. It's all vague. Bufo is indignant that he can't know what's in the note, and <laughs> yeah. the picture is the best thing it ever. Is. Oh, yours is a little bit clearer. That's nice. Mine mine are kind of dark pictures, so I can't really tell. Oh, maybe they lightened it. But yeah. the picture of indignant Bufo is like my favorite thing. <laughs> He's got like his arms in the air and he's, he's like, just, how dare you? Yeah, I just imagine him being like, yeah, yeah, how could you not tell me what's in this? <laughs> so she doesn't tell him what's in the note. You know, she's good about keeping that. Right. And then the last thing really that's important in this chapter is that like he, we learned that Bufo can impersonate any voice. Yes. He starts out with Humphrey Bogart. And she don't know who that is. <laughs> she doesn't. I mean, she's a child. Yeah, I don't think I would have known either. But yeah, so we learned that he can impersonate any sound, so that's kind of cool. It's not just voices, but he says he can, oh, do, yeah, sounds he can do sounds too. And I love that he is referred to as a tongue toad. Tongue toad. I love yeah. that. Tongue toad. The last thing that happens is that night she hears Bufo weeping. Oh, yeah. But it's actually kind of sad. because she's She's like... I've been there and I've wept alone in the dark and I know that I wouldn't want to be disturbed so I just leave him alone. Yeah. And I'm like, you poor thing. I know. Both of you poor <laughs> things. things. Just crying alone oh, at night. Like, so sad. It is sad. So chapter four, entitled... The First Kiss. Mm. So Jennifer doesn't mention hearing Bufo crying and and he doesn't want to stay home all day. He's bored, so... She suggests taking him to school. Yeah, which, which is a I, terrible idea. I, After I really don't. reading that note, I would have been like, absolutely not. Um, but she does. She takes yep. him to school. On the way there, they run into Shara, and I, she, Shara asks to see the toad, and she says, Grossa Mundo. Yes, she does. Grossa Mundo. Mundo. <laughs> which is I never. Such I never use that word. I'm pretty sure I've used similar things. I don't know if Grossamundo is <laughs> one of them, but I know that I had like heard that word before. Because when I read it now, I was like, oh my God. I <laughs> remember word. when we used to say that kind of crap as kids. Shira also calls Jennifer a peasant, which I wrote down because I thought it was yes. hilarious. Yeah, that peasant. was. Peasant. Peasant. <laughs> and I'm like, Shara's kind of awesome. Shara. 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 I don't know. We may go back and forth between these pronunciations. Yeah. So it's fine. Good on Jennifer. She kind of stands up to yeah. Shara by yeah, calling she's not her, meek. her cat a pest. Yeah. Punk, punko? Punko. Punko? 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 Punko. She has like a, a purebred Persian. Persian. A purebred Persian pest. Yeah. <laughs> pest. Yeah. She, yeah, Jennifer stands up for herself. She, yeah, she does. She doesn't, like, back down. She fights back. But, you know, yeah. Shara is still still a bratty bully. Yeah. And Ellen mentions, like, oh, you shouldn't say those things to yeah. her. She's going to find a way to get back at you. Jennifer doesn't seem scared, so it's no, pretty cool. No, she doesn't. Speaking of, Ellen hears Bufo talking. Oh, yeah. So Jennifer is forced to tell her that she's practicing ventriloquism. <laughs> Yeah, I've been practicing ventriloquism. I'm really good. And Ellen's like, wow, that's so impressive. <laughs> so it, it works. She believes it. But uh, later in class, Bufo is a troll. 
and trolls the whole class. A trolling toad. A, a trolling, trolling toad, toad by by essentially just impersonating Shara's voice and yep. getting her into trouble. Yep. Like first she imperson he impersonates the principal's Principal. voice and calls Shara to the office. Mm-hmm. And then when Shara comes back, you know, he then just keeps like making it so that Shara keeps talking out in class and the teachers getting irritated. Yep. Which is hilarious. It is and hilarious. I'm like, go Bufo, I love you. <laughs> trolling this bully then eventually shara who's like you know knows it's not her accuses jennifer because she knows about the freaking ventriloquism because ellen can't keep her mouth shut and i'm like it's been like a minute and that it's already News gone around travel fast i guess yes. so and i'm yes, like yes it does and i was like ellen i'm never telling you anything <laughs> ever <laughs> again, again. Yep. i mean come on so jennifer gets into trouble Yes, she does. Because they're like, she's a ventriloquist and she's doing this. So Jennifer gets into trouble, but she forgives Ellen because she's just a nice person. Although I'd be like, Ellen, I'm not speaking with you. Well, Ellen mentioned, too, that she was so proud (laughs) that Jennifer was trying ventriloquism and was good at it that she had to tell people. I'm sorry, Ellen. I'm (laughs) never telling you anything ever again. Um, So on the way home, they walk past Shara's house. Mm Mm-hmm. And she bugs Jennifer about seeing the toad again. And when Shara opens the box, Bufo jumps up and kisses her. The sky grows dark. Thunder, lightning, poof. And Shara disappears. And then we start chapter five. Which yep. I, which one's that? What's that title? Step into my parlor. Oh, nice. Okay. Chaos ensues. <laughs> Shara is a toad. She is a toad and Ellen has passed out. Yeah. <laughs> Ellen's like, oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, Ellen passed out. Um... I, I'd written down, soon the whole world's going to know. I think that meant that I was going to say Ellen was going to go tell everyone about what just happened. <laughs> yeah. Shara's cat, Punko, comes at and snarls at the now toad-like Shara. Yep. Shara, as a toad, scolds him. And so the cat's, like, confused. He's like, my master's voice is coming out of this thing. And he kind of, like, scampers off. Yep. Being freaked out, I guess. Okay, so... I don't remember what it is, but I wrote this quote because I loved the way it was written. Okay. Bufo stands at the edge of his box, leaning over it like a neighbor at a back fence. <laughs> and I just, the vision of that in my head. With his elbow. Like, yes. I love that part too. With his little elbow. And I'm like, Bufo's so cute. Yeah. I love him. <laughs> I wrote, there's a lot of dialogue. <laughs> I love the dialogue. That's good. I, it, I was, I was enthralled. It was great. Bufo can't reverse what he's done. He's like, I didn't even know that was going to happen in the first place. That's right. So I can't, I can't redo it. So I think Jennifer's plan is that she wants to find the magic shop again. Yes. And see if they can reverse it. Mm-hmm. They do not find the magic shop. And Bufo tells her that it moves around. It's never in the same place. Yes. So pretty one, much- of, one of the notes that I wanted to add about this, which we kind of already talked about too um, in, an, in another podcast, but I came upon, so I have heard this trope before, but it didn't really stick with me. Um, or really light up for me until I was an adult reading um, some books from the Discworld series about the wandering shops right. of Terry Pratchett. And I just want to read a little excerpt from just Wikipedia, but it's um, certain constants apply to these shops. They carry exactly what the person is looking for, even if they aren't looking for anything in particular. Out of all the myriad items, most of which are broken, the most powerful and mystical one will be the most ordinary looking one and the most affordable 
And the shop owner will be older than mud, but sharper than flint. These shops will appear in rarely traveled side streets and will look as though they have been there forever. And the next time the customer returns, often to return the purchased items, the shop will be gone, the space it occupied looking as though it had been that way forever as well. That it is definitely a trope. Yes. If I thought hard enough, I could probably think of a lot of... Well, Neverending Story is one of them, too, I feel like. Neverending Story is one, and maybe you could say that for Big and Game, even. Yeah, absolutely. Because there was a side street, and it yep. was a magical shop that had just what she wanted. That's right. And it was like, what, 20 bucks for that game? Yeah. 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 From what I found, and granted, I didn't do a lot of research, but that that original, that literary device was from a surge of weird fantasy written in the 1920s and earlier. Like H.G. Wells used it in a story called The Crystal Egg and then another one called The Magic Shop. So they've been around for a while and I love them and I want to work in one of them. Me too, (laughs) if they existed. Hey, traveling magic shops, hire us. That's right. I will be a great worker. Yes, me too. She doesn't end up, yes, in this chapter, they don't don't find the magic shop. shop. It's not that easy. They find a beauty Beauty parlor. parlor. And they go in, and I think Jennifer has the intention of asking her about the magic shop. And I think she does. She asks, yes, she, she does. says, like, hey, is there a magic shop in here? And the be- woman is beautiful, and Jennifer's dazzled by her beauty, or whatever. And she's like, hey, have you seen a magic shop around here? And that's when the woman gets scary. Yes. Like, her she's eyes got, change colors. Yes, and she's got this voice of, like, silk and yeah. steel. And she's like, magic shop? <laughs> And then she's like, what did you buy at the magic shop? Did you buy anything in the magic shop? What did you buy? <laughs> and that's uh, that's when that chapter ends. Yes. Chapter six is called Skippy Gets Hoppy. We're still in the beauty, beauty parlor. parlor. Ellen's the one that's like, uh, we need to go. And But Jennifer's like her. entranced. Yeah, she is entranced. She cannot stop looking at this woman. Right. And she does end up telling her. That she bought a toad. She bought a toad. Yep. So Ellen is actually the one who breaks her out of the spell because I guess she realizes that it's the eye contact because she spins her around. So Mm -hmm. she's facing the other way. And my note is, okay, Ellen, we can be friends again. (laughs) You're forgiven. You're (laughs) You're forgiven forgiven because you saved her. For your loose lips. Yep. Yep. They head out the door and they decide to hide out at Jennifer's house. Right. Uh, Because at this point... Shara is still with them. Shara the Toad is still yeah. with them. But she and Bufo were like, what happened? What happened? And Bufo was like, you need to describe this woman to me. Like, I need to know everything. But uh, she's like, I got to wait till we get home. And, you know, so they run home. But she keeps, like, getting distracted with other things in her house. Mm-hmm. Like, she gets home and she can't tell them what happened because her mom is there. Which is unusual. Which is unusual. And her yeah. mom, like, delays her. And then they get called, you know to dinner and then like other stuff happens mm-hmm. and like she she has to deal with all this stuff before she can finally sit down and tell them yeah shara eats a fly i did write that down <laughs> and she's she disgusted she's by so it. grossed out gross amundo yeah. gross amundo <laughs> yeah i did did make note that jennifer asks her mom if ella can stay over yeah and since her mom is her mom is a lawyer and she's very busy and yep. she cares about what people think about her yeah <laughs> she kind of feels this guilt like she doesn't, she needs to be a cool mom. Yeah. So yeah. she, she of course, lets Ellen stay over. Right. But there's also the fact that she's got Shara over there, too. And but Shara's still a toad at this point. Right. But her parents need to know what's yeah. going on. So they all three... They have to I call. I love this part. They go into the hallway yep. to the phone mm-hmm. and dial up her parents. Yep. Like, and Shara oh. the toad calls <laughs> calls her mom and is like, I'm spending the night over here. <laughs> so, yeah, they have to do that. 
The parents leave, which is weird because I feel I like that was weird. They're too. real young. Well, I'm I mean, the oldest grade? is sixth grade, and that's. What? I may have been left at home alone at sixth grade, but I remember in Sweet Valley, you were like, why would you leave these kids alone? And that I was, was wondering then if sixth grade was too young, but maybe it's not. Apparently it's not, because we've read two books No, now. how old are you in the sixth grade? Like 13? I guess legally you are allowed, but it's like, you've got two kids. Well, two you, younger kids, like a right. four-year-old. And then like, Jennifer's only like eight, ten, yeah. maybe? I don't so know. The, I, I mean, I guess it's legal. They seem okay with but it. But yeah, the parents are going out to a movie, so they're going to be gone around like four hours or so. Yeah. Um, they're kind of leaving Jennifer in charge of watching Brandon. Because Skippy they don't can't trust be Skippy. Yeah. And I, I mean, I wouldn't either. <laughs> He's not that great of a kid. No. Finally, they're back in the bedroom where Beef is like, God, could you just tell me already? And Skippy comes in, and he has no concept of other people's possession, and he picks up Shara. And he's like, oh, you got another toad. And he's calling her an ugly toad. Yes. He's like, oh, this toad's so ugly. And Shar is offended and she lunges at his face, which means she gave him a kiss. That's right. You know what that means. Yes. What was the title of this chapter again? Chapter seven is You Owe Me. But chapter six was Skippy Gets Hoppy? Skippy Gets Hoppy. There you go. Well, so it tells you already. (laughs) Yeah. Skippy Gets Hoppy, meaning he's now a frog. And now you owe me. Chapter seven, you owe me. Surprise, Char is human again. That's but right. Now Skippy is a toad. So yeah, we figure out that the kiss, the kisses kind it of like pass on. Yeah, it's a pass on to toad curse. And so while Skippy is freaking out, Jennifer tells Bufo what she saw in the magic beauty parlor. Yep. Because he was in the box the whole time. Yeah, he so he didn't anything. get to see anything. Bufo reveals that the it's like a witch mm-hmm. and that. He thinks that the witch is after him. I mean, I, I feel like we know. And she's like, why would he? Why would she be after you? And he's like, well, I've lived a long time and I've made some enemies. And <laughs> can, can you imagine with his personality? Yeah, I love him. He wouldn't be my enemy. <laughs> yeah. Skippy decides, you know, after he comes to terms with being a toad, he's like, oh, but don't you owe oh, me? me? Yep. So now you need to kiss me because Skippy's a terrible brother. He is. Would he's you, not very caring I at all. Do, yeah, why would you do that to your sister? Because he's not. <laughs> because he's a sixth I mean, grade I wouldn't want to be a toad, but... No. There's got to be a better solution than, oh, well, now you're a toad. Now, bye. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. Well, I was never a sixth grade boy, so I don't know how they think. But from what I've encountered... <laughs> they're not very nice. They're pretty obnoxious. Well, Jennifer feels obligated to do it because of the you owe me bit. I'd be like, no, nah, this is an exception. Bro. Well, I loved this about her character. It's it's not even about what he's worth or what she's worth. It's about what her word is worth. Ugh. I love that. I, I love I, mean, that. I love it too. Good on you, Jennifer. But I think this is an exception. So, yeah, she, but she, she does, does it. it. She does it. And now Jennifer's a toad. That's right. The plastic phone rings. That's right. At the end of this chapter, the phone rings. And Jennifer picks it up, yep. thinking it's going to be Mr. Elives. But it's not. But it's not. It's a voice that says, I want the toad. It's the witchy woman. The witchy woman. So chapter eight, we learn about where Bufo came from. Yeah. So the story is actually really interesting. I'm try- I'll try to do it like fast, I guess, because it's kind of long. But it's basically like two sisters, one ugly, one beautiful, and a mom who's also beautiful. They force their, like, younger sister to go out and, like, get frozen strawberries or something. And she meets, like, a witch. And the witch asks for bread. The ugly sister gives it to her. So she, like, blesses her with, like, a 
a gift that where when she opens her mouth, like diamonds and rubies fall out. Mm-hmm. And so the beautiful sister and mom are like, oh, well, we're going to go send you out there and you'll get the same thing. But of course, the beautiful sister refuses to give the old woman bread. Or she says she's going to give it and then she doesn't. Yeah, So she goes right. back on her word. Yeah. So there you go. The word. The word. The word is important. <laughs> yeah. So when she comes back, her mouth has like rats and snakes and toads that come out of it. That's right. And we learn that two toads were born of that mouth. Yeah. Esmeralda and Bufo. Yep. And he has been searching for her for a very long time. So one Esmeralda, thing. Esmeralda, yeah, because they yes, love. Yes. And one thing about this story. So this is one of the fairy tale stories that I loved as a kid that was kind of based on that. It's, uh, the 12 months where a girl goes out into the winter. Uh, her mother, her stepmother hates her and sends her out basically wanting to end her life. Yeah. And then she meets the 12 months. It's a great story. We, I have never read that story. I love that story. Oh, I'm going to look that so, up. So each month helps her out with a different task. That's but cool. I loved that he included this type of thing. But yes, we learned that Esmeralda is his long lost love, and we learned that they're, they're called the immortal Mortal vermin. vermin. I loved that name yeah. too. It's kind of cool because they can't be killed by ordinary means. Yeah, they have to be like you know, they, there has to be like a very specific way that they die. They can't die of old age or right. disease or anything like that. They just you know they have to get like squashed by a car yes. or something like that. A very deliberate death. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then Bufo also picked up a rumor from his other immortal vermin brethren yep. that there was a witch looking for the toads because they hid a magical gem in their foreheads. I wonder why it was just the toads. I don't they know. They don't explain it. They don't. Just so he and Esmeralda supposedly have one and they're the only ones. Yeah. And that but these it's, it's gems. The gem of eternal happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he's assuming, I guess, that that's why the witch is looking for him. Right. Jennifer asks if the gem is real, and Bufo shows it to her. Yeah, it is so real. We know. It's not a rumor. It's not a rumor. There it is. But yeah, I wonder why it's just the toads have them. I don't know. And those are the only two toads she ever came out with. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't either. They now don't I want to know. <laughs> like, what are the other side stories of the immor- of the immoral, yeah, why, immortal why uh, vermin? Yeah, why don't the gems? Why is it just the What toads? do the snakes have? Nothing. How many snakes are there? Maybe they've no. got something. Anyway. They don't. <laughs> Just the toads. Just the toads. The toads are important. Chapter 9 is called the Osculatory Experience. Experiment. Osculatory Experiment. Okay, so I'm I'm a bad reader. I did not even look up what osculatory means. Uh, it's a form of oscu- oscu- osculation, which is a term in geometry that describes a place where two curves or surfaces come into contact. So osculatory Oh, like is- kissing. Lips coming into contact? Maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what yeah. it means. Very clever, that's, Brucey. That's so nice. There All you right. go. All right. So there you go. That's so, a pretty big word so this for chapter, kids this age. Yeah, this, this chapter the is... kissing experiment. More, more about kissing. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really have a lot of notes on this chapter. Um, I just said lots of talking. <laughs> lots okay. of dialogue. I feel like Brucey gets, gets the action across through dialogue. He does, and I like that. Because I, I love dialogue-heavy stories. Yeah. And when I write stories, it's dialogue-heavy. Is it really? Okay. I'm super into dialogue. Christopher Pike book was super dialogue-heavy. That's just how I like it. I felt like his was a bit more balanced mm. than this one. I don't know. I felt like there were, like, pages of just conversation. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. I love dialogue-heavy stories, so I'm in. Bufo tells Jennifer about how, kind of like how he got to the magic shop and how he was surprised that the old man sold him to Jennifer, but that he knew that it was for a reason because the old man never does anything without a reason. Mm-hmm. So once again, we're left to wonder. Hey, the phone rings again. Yes, is it Witchy Woman? 
No, this time it's Mr. Elias. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Somehow he knows Jennifer's a toad. <laughs> I don't know how, but he, he knows. He gets his information somehow. But he tells her that it's going to become permanent after 10 oh, hours. Oh, yeah, that's the most important part. She's got to kiss somebody. Yep. Before and 10 hours. Then he asks to speak to Bufo. Bufo gets scolded by Mr. Elives for allowing this to happen, <laughs> I suppose. And then he gives him a cryptic message. The wheel is turning, hearts are burning. What's worth learning is never free. What does that mean, dude? I don't know. Is that a riddle we have to figure out? I don't know. There's been a lot of that. <laughs> there has. His entire first note was full of mir- <laughs> like full of uh, cryptic messages. Who knows? Well, Bupa suggests that maybe Jennifer tried to kiss him to reverse the spell. Right. Maybe, maybe it kind of cancel out. It doesn't. It just makes Jennifer <laughs> double in size. Yes. Which is weird. <laughs> it is Why weird. would it do that? I, I don't, don't know. Who knows? But that's double, the end, end double of that toed, double yeah, double toed action. She's yeah, huge. she's she's a double sized toad. <laughs> so now she's a big toad. And the picture of them two together is hilarious. She's huge. Yeah, she's He's huge. Teeny tiny. She's teeny and she's huge. <laughs> I love the pictures. They're great. They are great. Chapter ten's called Bango Changeo. This chapter <laughs> made me love Brandon. <laughs> So he's super cute, super cute, and I don't like children. And, and this chapter is appropriately named "Bango Changeo." I know. In the morning, Jennifer realizes that she needs to get someone to take her place as a toad before it becomes permanent. Brandon's the first to awake, and she's like, feels bad about it. But when she mentions it, Brandon's like, he's, "Yeah, he's all he's for it, on board. He's happily he happily agrees to be turned into a toad." So they do it, and Bango Changeo. Brandon is having is a the toad time, and, yeah, and he loves it. He's having the time of his life. He's like hopping around. He's like, "This is great! I'm a toad. He's, I want to eat some flies." <laughs> he don't want to get changed back. No, he doesn't. But but Jennifer finally gets him to agree um, because she's like, oh, "I can't keep you as a toad. It was just so we could like swap or whatever." Mm-hmm. So when she, it is important to mention that when Jennifer comes back to being a toad, she's a normal sized toad. She's not still doubled in size. Yes. Because she was worried about it. She was. And she was also worried that if she became a human, She'd would be she be like human. nine feet tall or but something? But she wasn't. No. Regular. So then there's like a, a sitcom bit where mom comes in and she has <laughs> yeah. to speak to Jennifer and then she has to speak to Brandon so they have to keep switching back, back and, and forth, forth a few times. Yeah, that was It's kind of silly. Everyone else wakes up and she fills them in on the 10 hour thing. And so... Jennifer has the idea to go visit the Folk Museum. Well, she already had an appointment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what the initial appointment was about. It but was now to do she's research going, for a school project. Yeah, now she's going to only learn about toads. She wants right. all the folklore there is about toads. And she's friends with the librarian, I guess. Miss Applegate. Curator. Direct, director. Director. I think she's the only one at that museum. Yeah, Miss Applegate. She's friends with her, and so she goes to ask her if she knows anything on toads. And she brings her some books, but they're not really helpful. No. It's not really anything that she wants. Bufo stays behind, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, he stays at home. Yeah. And Shara goes with her. Shara's the one that agrees to go with her. And yeah. So, and she's got to take Brandon because he's toad. He's a toad. While Jennifer is inside looking up books, Shara's like, I'll watch Brandon outside. And so she does, but unfortunately she loses him. Mm-hmm. Although she doesn't really lose him. He seems to have disappeared. Right. But then she's like, oh, yeah, some woman came to talk to me. And we're like, ugh. Come well, on. we know who that is. Come on. But Shara didn't see her, to her credit. That's true. Like, she didn't when know this, what she looked like. Yeah. So, you know, she... Yeah, at the end of chapter 10, yeah. Jennifer runs out of the folk museum 
and is met by a crying Shara because yeah. she has lost Brandon. Right. And then we start chapter 11. Desperately seeking Brandon. Desperately seeking Brandon. Yeah, and so that's when she describes what happened. And they're and looking everywhere and they can't find him. Obviously, they figure it out when she mentions the woman. So they mm-hmm. go back and get Bufo. To their surprise, Ellen and Skippy are already there and they already know what happened because the witch called on the phone. Oh, yes. And She's offered asked- to make a trade. That's right. Beautiful for Brandon. Mm-hmm. Which I think Jennifer, she's not going to hesitate. She's not. Well, gonna- no, but also Bufo didn't hesitate. He's no, like, he didn't either. Do it. Yeah, Bufo's a good man. He is a good man. He's a good a man. Good, good toad. Good, good toad. toad man. So they go off to the beauty parlor to make this trade, which they're able to find because I guess she makes it available to yeah. them. So. It's like you know the magic shop. They when you are invited to come, it is there for you. Mm-hmm. So they arrive, and the witch has Brandon trapped in a glass sphere. And this is where the drawing comes yes, in. That it's is beautiful. So nice. Yeah, it's a beautiful drawing. If I can, if I can remember, I'll scan it and put it on yeah. the blog because it's such a pretty picture. Yep. And so she's got Toad Brandon kept in the glass ball, and she will only release him when Bufo is in her hands. Yep. But the trade is made. They do it. Brandon's sphere dissolves, and Jennifer immediately kisses him so that, you know, she can be a toad and Brandon can be a human. Right. So Shara asked the witch to help him. She's like, could you, could you help us with this toad thing? Because we can't keep passing this around. I don't know why you thought this witch would help I you. I don't either. I'm like, this is kind of a stupid thing I to guess ask, she's just desperate. I guess so. the so. witch is like, yeah, I'll help you. And so she Fring. waves her hand. And then she's like, well, there. Now the next person you kiss will be a toad forever. Which Jennifer's not going to do that to anybody. Yeah. But if she doesn't do it in 10 hours, she's going to stay will, a toad forever. Yeah. But So yeah. basically lose-lose. So yeah, so that that chapter ends with them now having a new curse. Yeah. Toad forever. Chapter 12 is called The Jewel Thief. Everyone's freaking out. The witch is unsympathetic. She's just like, yeah, whatever, get out of here. She's like, I got (laughs) things to do. Miss Applegate appears. Mm -hmm. She followed them. Yes. Because she sensed trouble. And I guess apparently the portal was left open. Yeah. Maybe it was left open so that way the kids could come in and then they could leave. Yes. But, yes, yeah, so... So she snuck in. Right. The witch mentions that, you know, this woman, adult woman, was not invited, that she managed to sneak in when the portal was open for right. them. So Miss Apple gets not much help, unfortunately. So she's I, there, but she I can't really, do anything. I really don't know who would be much of help at this point. I don't know. Um, I don't think she... Well, I mean, obviously, she came to not expect this support. to uh, Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Maybe. The witch pretty much threatens them all and says, you know, says you need to get out of here and leave. Jennifer agrees to stay there and have the others go. Yes. Like, it, it, they make it clear that she's got some kind of plan. Right. But we don't know what it is. Right. And then, so when they, well, before when they ask the witch about, like, you know, what, can you undo this curse that she just put on them? One of the things that she did mention was that she didn't know if she knew how to remove it and also she didn't really feel like it was worth her effort yeah which i thought was you know a nice touch to her character yeah. like she doesn't care get out yeah. yeah um so yeah jennifer is developing a plan she tells the others to go home and that she's decided to stay here with the witch because the witch allows I mean, her to she, stay yeah and she can't go home she's yeah. gonna be she's a, toad a toad forever. forever her parents are gonna be cool with that so the witch pushes everyone out with a strong gust of wind and now jennifer and bufo are left alone with her the witch says that she intends to remove the jewel from Bufo. Mm-hmm. Jennifer uses this opportunity to, like, ask questions, I guess, to stall or whatever. She reveals that she is the same woman from which Bufo came from. So she's... His mother. His mother. <laughs> yes. 
the right how she became what she is is she sought out a witch to get rid of the curse. Mm-hmm. The witch decided to take her on as an apprentice, and the witch wanted her to find the jewel of happiness for her, which is right. why she sought out Esmeralda. That's right. The fee for for removing that curse was the jewel of perfect happiness. But she didn't even remove the curse. No, she just learned taught her how to control, control it. it. But she doesn't control it that well because I think like she ends up spitting out like two different rats. Yes, during she this, does during this she encounter. Does. She does. But so it's not uh, it's not gone. It's just kind of under control. Which I feel like it's kind of a crappy deal. Yeah, but I mean she's also got like other magic. That's now. true. She's lived forever and she can make herself beautiful because she's Still. not beautiful in real life. She not shows anymore. her real face. And yes. Due to some technical difficulties, the rest of this episode is going to sound kind of strange audio-wise. We apologize for the audio quality and hope you can still enjoy the episode. That's the end of chapter 12, and now we're on chapter 13, entitled... The Temptation of Jennifer Murdley, and these titles are always telling, so... Yes. This this is going to be about tempting Jennifer Murdley. So, the witch is about to poke Bufo with the tweezers... When Jennifer orders him to kiss her several times. Several times until she's huge toad. Yes, she the book says she's the size of a Volkswagen. That is a big ass toad. Yes. <laughs> so when she once she gets big, she grabs the witch in her mouth, and this is really confusing to me because I thought for sure she was gonna kiss the witch. Yes. And why didn't she? I don't know. I don't know. Other than because I thought about that too. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. If she's now cursed for the next person to be a toad forever, she could just kiss the witch. Yeah. But does the witch retain her powers if she's in toad form? I have no idea. I kind of felt like maybe it wouldn't have really yeah, but stopped the witch if she had kissed her. Maybe not stopped the witch, but sl- it could have slowed her down and then yeah, Jennifer... You put her in a box. She'd definitely be easier to handle. Exactly. <laughs> and then she and she would be a human and she could grab Bufo and GTFO. Yeah. I don't know why she didn't. But she doesn't. She doesn't. I thought for sure that was what was going to happen. But no, she just grabs her in her mouth. And there's a picture to accompany that. Yes, which is excellent because while I was reading it, I couldn't tell how the witch was placed in her mouth. But Jennifer is holding her like a dog would hold a bone. Yes. So she's like horizontal. Head in one on one end, feet in the other. <laughs> which, so, Which now I don't think Jennifer really planned what she was going to do no. next. Because she's like, well, do I eat her? Do I? What do I do with her? Should have kissed her and then thought about it because then you could handle her a little better. But no, instead, she's just got this witch in her mouth. And so the witch, obviously, now, since she didn't eat her or whatever, can try to talk to Jennifer. So she tries to convince Jennifer to to give it all up because she can make her beautiful. Yeah, now she now she says that she has the power to make her beautiful, which honestly, everything the witch has said so far, I'm like, you can't trust. No, I mean. Yes, going on the fact that she's a witch, but, like, she said that she didn't know if she could remove the curse that she just put on her, so I'm like... No, but she did... They did show that she was able to make herself beautiful. That's true. Because they showed her real witch face, and it was... Her large Marge moment, Yeah, she revealed how how terrible she looked. Yeah, and she was terrifying, so if she could make herself beautiful... So she basically she's like, you want to be beautiful, Jennifer. And since they're in this beauty parlor and there's mirrors all around, she's like showing Jennifer what she could look like. Right. And it is tempting for a while. Jennifer struggles with this. Well, yeah, because during the entire book, this has been her thing that she always wished she was beautiful. Mm -hmm. But 
Uh, Bufo tries to warn her, but she doesn't really listen at first. He's saying a bunch of things, but the thing that jolts her out of this fever-like dream is Bufo doing an imitation of Mr. Elives. Yep. Saying, most mirrors are mere errors. Yes. And so, I for some reason, this does shake Jennifer out of her stupor, and she... She lashes out at the mirror with her tongue, which also crashes the witch into the mirror, which yeah. is freaking oh, harsh. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm surprised I didn't kill her. You know, if, if it's a toad the size of a Volkswagen yeah. with that much force. Yeah. And yeah. It, I mean, it was enough to break the mirror, and so she, the witch's body crashed against that mirror. Yeah. Well, well she's she, not dead. No. You would, And you would think, well, I guess maybe her 500-year bones are... 500-year-old bones are really strong? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, we never really find out what state she's in because she's kind of, like, passed out. And at that point, the the beauty parlor's transformed back into the original cottage where Bufo was born. Mm-hmm. He's always like, I'm home! And I'm like, is this really your home? Like, why does he keep saying that? You were here for, like, a minute. Yeah. <laughs> So they leave the cottage, and now they're in a forest, and Mr. Elives is there. Yes. He shows up and says, run along. Well, good job. Run along. I'll take care of the witch. But I'm kind of like, why did you wait until now? Yeah, he kind of makes it clear that he knew what was going to happen all along, but he just... Let it happen. Let it happen. And I'm like, is this one of those, like, you've got to do this journey on your own. Exactly. He's the old wise man. And I'm like, Watch from afar. And he'll clean up the mess afterwards. But you got to do the hard stuff. Thanks, bro. We could have (laughs) died. Thanks. He wouldn't have let them die. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like a little suspicious that he's just out there waiting. Yeah, he's probably just like he's probably just hanging out, just the whole watching, time. seeing how they're doing, sipping some tea. <laughs> Let's see how they handle this predicament. It would be interesting. Now I'm starting. Oh, now I'm getting like side fan fiction. Uh oh, man, you need to write fan fiction. <laughs> just thinking, it would be interesting if like maybe yeah, I want to know what his he's got to have a connection to the witch. I think it'd be really interesting if he had a connection to the witch. Like what kind? I don't know. Maybe he like planted her. As part of like testing, what I don't like, I said I could write a fan fiction. On okay, all right, I'm still waiting for your first fan fiction. I know, I need to get on that. You've been saying you're gonna write fan fiction since episode one. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wrote one in fifth grade about uh, the Princess Jasmine. <laughs> oh, so you're obsessed with Aladdin? I was. Aladdin I, was never my favorite. Oh, so good. You know, I'm not a Disney fan though. Yeah, I know. Sorry, it's don't okay. don't hang me, everybody. I'm not a Disney fan. It's okay. Everyone's got their things. Everyone's got their things. Um, But yeah, Mr. Eli's just sipping tea, whatever, just Uh, watching it. Yeah. So, yeah, my note says he seems to have planned all this. And I said, I said, but why? See, that's what the side (laughs) fan fiction is going to be about. Okay. Why did he plan all this? Why did he plan all this? Oh, it's going to be amazing. Anyway, so (laughs) as Jennifer and Buffo are walking back home, they have a moment to talk about things. And I can't remember. I'm assuming Jennifer brought it up. As to how Bufo knew those words of Mr. Elives. Oh, right. Yeah, because she, it, they were in the note that Mr. Elives told Bufo not to read. Or told Jennifer not to let him read. Right. But he admits that he, he read it when she was not at home. Or Which I wrote in my notes, why is this really important? It's not. But, but it would have been a plot hole otherwise. It would. It would have been, so. 
But then why include the whole don't read it in the first place? I don't know. I guess it's just one extra tiny little story detail that really has nothing. Just to make Mr. Elapse more mysterious. Yeah, probably. Just keep secrets for no reason. Was there something in the note that maybe Bufo didn't need to know at the beginning? I don't think so. I don't remember what it said. (laughs) I don't remember. I don't think it did. Well, whatever. So they finally reach the familiar part of town, and Jennifer is still a huge toad. Yep. And she's just going to. I don't know. She kind of doesn't know what she's going to do because her parents aren't going to be happy with it. <laughs> I don't a even... Does she even say guard. at this point what she plans to do? No! Well, no. they see all their friends and Miss Applegate's still there uh, and they're waiting for them. When they arrive, Miss Applegate immediately comes up and kisses Jennifer. What? Why would she do that? Because, as I knew two chapters ago... <laughs> She's Esmeralda. Da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she kisses Jennifer. She becomes a toad. And Bufo recognizes her immediately as Esmeralda. And I effing knew it. See, I think I was just so into the book that I didn't even make any predictions. I was just reading along. Just... The whole nonsense about them t- saying, like, making a big deal about her looking like a toad. Yes. That, like when... That's a dead giveaway. So there was didn't that. But then the... the the main giveaway was back when they were talking about um, what's going to happen to... They were asking the witch what's going to happen to Bifo when he gets his stone taken out. Mm-hmm. And she's like, he'll still be alive, just be changed. And I was oh. like, I was like, oh, yeah, now I know. Because also, like, the the mysterious appearance of Miss Applegate in here. Right. Like, at first, I think the first thought I had was I was like, well, maybe, you know, because in children's books, no one cares what happens to adults. I was like, maybe she'll just be like the heroic adult that's like, don't worry, I'll do it for you. You kids live a nice life. Yeah. You know, and she would sacrifice herself. But then as I thought about it, it's more of like, no way. <laughs> She's a toad already. <laughs> She's a toad. So it's okay. So I I knew how that was going to end. Yeah. So the chapter and the book kind of ends with the toads kissing and... Well, there's an epilogue. There is an epilogue, so... But it's, you know, extra fluff. Yes, it does kind of tie... I guess it ties things No, up. it does. Yeah. So in the epilogue, we learn that Bufo and Esmeralda are off to have adventures with Mr. Elives. Mm-hmm. And they ask... They come to visit Jennifer and ask her if she will look after two rats... Which are the two rats that came out of the witch's mouth while she was dealing with them. So they're dropping their kids off yeah. before they go on their honeymoon. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, and the rats' names are Jerome and Roxanne. Interesting extra, interesting choice of names. And they're okay. kind of like a married couple. They, like, squabble. <laughs> they're definitely not as delightful as Bufo. No, they're not. But De- maybe, maybe in time. Maybe. Maybe in our fan fiction we can make them. <laughs> well, they definitely could have written another book because they set it up that you could. Yeah, absolutely. Because after this, Mr. Elives calls Jennifer on the plastic phone. Mm-hmm. Basically to tell her she did a good job. That's right. And that, uh, quote unquote, if this works out, I expect that I'll have many assignments for you in the future. Yes. And she smiled into the darkness. It was going to be an interesting life. Maybe even a beautiful one. The end, happily ever after. That was a pretty happy ending. Yeah, I liked it. So what did you think of the book? First time reading it. I enjoyed it a lot. Good. It's like just a fun, fanciful story. There's nothing like super deep about it, but that's okay. I enjoyed it more than some of the other like kids 
books we've read mm-hmm. prior because I felt like the the writing style didn't seem too juvenile. Um, well, for me, reading this again as an adult, um, there was a lot of dialogue. And for some odd reason, it was really hard for me to read a lot of dialogue for all the action kind of or the, the storytelling to be in the dialogue. I love that. It was almost like there wasn't enough kind of like breathing space for mm-hmm. me where so I could I just read a body of just plain text. No, I love dialogue. <laughs> I love dialogue heavy stories. They're my favorite. Well, it was an interesting thing to find out about myself. This <laughs> that you don't like that. That I, that I don't, that I need a bit more balance. But um, I still loved the story a yeah. lot. And I loved Jennifer as a character. I did too. I really liked that not only that she seemed, re- you know, realistic. I've read books of realistic heroines. But she had, she had a flaw. And she was aware of it. It was her looks. And it was something that carried with her throughout the book. And in the end, it changed. But it was very much... It just made her more real and something to connect to. I liked that she was uh, not a scaredy cat. Yeah. She was brave enough to deal with a talking toad. And (laughs) brave enough to face the witch head on. And also, she stood up to her bully. Yes, she did. Like, uh, I know they became, like, friends later. But I, don't, I don't know. I couldn't really tell from the end of it. I feel like they kind of just had this mutual agreement to not interact with each other. I don't think they were I don't know. I think they're, they're going to be friends. They've okay. been through shit together. Well, maybe they'll have another adventure. Maybe. They? I think they're going to be yeah. friends. And I loved her dad in this, too. Her dad was amazing. Yes. It's so good because usually I feel like in these kids' books, there's, like, just shitty dads. Yeah. <laughs> like, the parents are either absent or right. they're just not good. Exactly. They're either not there yeah. or they're just, yeah, terrible. Just terrible. And maybe parents. it's because it's the 80s. Like, all these kids' books we're reading are the 80s. Were parents just not expected to, like, pay as much attention to their kids in the 80s? Maybe not. I don't know. I feel like it's just, like, a trend that we keep reading books where it's just, like, the parents are just, like, off doing their own thing and they just let their kids go. And, you know, now that I think about it, my parents were good parents, but they definitely let me go out and play all day, and I never had to check in. So, our next book is not a fantasy book, so we're, uh, we're kind of, I mean, not really. It's a ghost story. It's called Wait Till Helen Comes by Mary Downing Hahn. I picked this book, although Emma says she remembers reading it but doesn't remember much about it, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. I remember a decent amount, because I, I, as usual, I've read it multiple times, but I haven't read it any time recently. 12-year-old Molly and her 10-year-old brother Michael have never liked their younger stepsister Heather. Ever since their parents got married, she made Molly and Michael's life miserable. Now their parents have moved them all into the country to live in a house that used to be a church, with a cemetery in the backyard. If that's not bad enough, Heather starts talking to a ghost named Helen and warning Molly and Michael that Helen is coming for them. Molly feels certain Heather is in some kind of danger, but every time she tries to help, Heather twists things around to get her into trouble. It seems as if things can't get any worse, but they do when Helen comes. That sounds spooky. It's, I remember it being pretty spooky when I was young, but I mean, we're adults now, yep, so we can handle, this, we right? can handle it now. <laughs> no big deal. Thanks for joining us for Growing Up Bookish. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. To learn more about us and see what we're going to read next, visit our website at growingupbookish.com.